When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, I'm Tyler Zickel, voice of the Vancouver Canadians, high A affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays, and your host for Around the Nest Blue Jays Minor League Podcast. This year, we've moved in with Greg and Josh's terrific Artificial Turf Wars feed so that you will get some of us sprinkled between some of their shows. If this is the first time you've tuned in to Around the Nest, thanks for giving us a try. And if you've been with us before, thank you for your continued support. Time for another edition of Around the Nest 2023. Tyler Zickel from the High A Vancouver Canadians joined by a complete, robust, completely full nest today on this Friday, May 5th. Pat Malacaro, Steve Goldberg, and of course, Andrew Trifley from Single A Dunedin making his season debut. Gentlemen, good to have you along. We're going to get right into it, as we tend to do. A lot of great stuff to talk about from up and down the system this past week. It's been only one week since our last conversation, but still plenty to chat about here on Around the Nest. And as we do, we will start at the top of the ladder. Pat, good day to you. Worcester, Massachusetts, the boys are taking on the Woo Sox, a very unique seven-game, six-day series, and after the weather affected that series at Salem Field, Mother Nature said, I'm going to get those guys again down in Worcester and just make things a little bit more interesting. So already a, a fascinating week there in Massachusetts. Yeah, we've been at Polar Park ever since Tuesday and it feels like the rain and the cold temperatures followed us to Gwinnett last week. The bison bats heated up, but the temperature certainly wasn't warm. And here we are sitting in, in the ballpark here in Worcester and it's just a gloomy, glum kind of day here again with some light sprinkles that have kind of just followed us the whole season so far. So uh, it's been good in terms of the offense for this Bison team uh, that has really shown up since uh, that the late part of the series in Gwinnett and has not really cooled down. Sure, it was only a 2-1 win in the split of the doubleheader on Thursday night against Worcester, but uh, the Bisons offensively have had a lot of timely hits and a lot more power. That's something we didn't see at the start of the year, but we talked about it kind of right, right at the outset of, of around the nest is it's only a matter of time. It's not when it's, it's if, or it's that not if it's when uh, that power was going to come for this Bison's team and, and certain players have already stepped up and, and really those power numbers are coming through. That 21 to nine win over the stripers last weekend, certainly a fun one. I'm sure for you to be a part of, to be able to watch and maybe a chance for the Bison's to exercise some of those early season demons that seemed to haunt them over the first few weeks of the year, still looking for a series win. And we'll talk about the home schedule coming up back to back home series against Syracuse and Rochester in Buffalo these next couple of weeks, but you got to wrap up this series in Worcester. However, before we talk about what's been going on there, what was your experience from that huge win and specifically LJ Talley's uh, monster game, six hits, four runs scored, four RBI? That really was a season-changing game for LJ, uh, not only because he was the first player in 10 years in this league. Uh, coincidentally, it was another Bison, Moises Sierra, who had the last six-hit game uh, back in 2013. But you know, going into that, in that game, LJ Talley was hitting 045. He comes out of the game hitting 241, going six for six in the game. And, um, you know, real player who – spent some time on the development list for, for about a week and didn't get into game action. And you could really tell that um, the early season struggles just continued to pile up. And it's, I'm sure for players, we talk about it all the time on the air, 
it just feels like you're never going to get out of it when you're in the throes of, um, you know, a tough stretch. Unfortunately for LJ, it was right at the beginning of the season. Instead of, you know, having the cushion of maybe hitting 260 or 280 and, and having an 0 for slide in, in June or July, he has it right at the beginning of the year when he's not getting regular playing time. So making the most of that, that time. And, you know, he's a Georgia kid, went to UGA. Now his home is about five hours away from uh, Gwinnett. So his family wasn't there, but his girlfriend, a lot of friends that uh, end up uh, living in the Atlanta area following college. It was a good week for LJ Talley to, to get his mindset in, in a good place. Uh, and, and eventually that offense came. And uh, certainly it's something that has followed him here to Worcester as well. Uh, Spencer Horwitz, a six RBI game for the Bisons that day. Davis Schneider now leads the team in home runs uh, and runs scored. And he's right around the top. Uh, with Spencer Horwitz in terms of batting average. So these are the players we talked about that their bats were going to heat up. It just took a little while here at the start of the year. And again, if this were midseason, it'd just be a midseason slump, but it's exacerbated by the fact that uh, the team started out uh, wins and losses wise, uh, not on the on the right side of things. And, you know, personally for these players, the the averages, the, the power numbers, the RBI totals, they weren't um, they weren't all as high as you'd like them to be at the early part of the year. That's interesting. A similar experience here in high A with Rainer Nunez, who had a breakout spring, of course, coming off being the rookie of the year in the Dominican Winter League, back with the Canadians, had a four for four game on Tuesday here in Hillsborough, Oregon, taken on the Diamondbacks affiliate, the Hops, and he walked in his fifth plate appearance, had a chance to be the only opposing player in Hillsborough Hops 10-year franchise history to get five hits against the Hops. He got four hits, but took his average from 199 to 250. So, Pat, you tell a great story in that LJ Talley and anybody up and down the system needs just one big game after a slow start to be able to turn things around. Now, a guy like Spencer Horwitz seems to put together, whether it's one big game, but always consistent from Spencer. This is a guy batting right near 300. We know what we're getting with Horwitz, a guy who's on the short list to make that call up to the big leagues if all of the stars should align. How does Spencer go about his business from your perspective, Pat, to be able to stay so consistently uh, successful? Well, I think it starts with the the, the work in the cage and, and on the field pregame. And I, I I take a lot of stock in the fact that Spencer went and played for uh, Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic. Now, they did not advance out of the pool stage, but he did play in those raucous atmospheres in Miami uh, and really got to experience some high-level action uh, against other teams in, in the tournament. So for, for Spencer to play in the WBC this year to, to perform well uh, for Team Israel – I think you saw that carry over to the first part of the season. And, um, you know, from the left side of the plate, it, look, we, we've seen you're not looking for a guy that can hit 40 home runs uh, all the time out of that that the, the first base position. So Spence is going to add power here and there to this team. But really, his ability to come through with timely hits, just putting the ball in play, getting guys over, um, and that really has helped. Sure, the six RBIs last Sunday w- was a nice – um, you know, accomplishment for Horwitz to have this year uh, for the most anybody on the team. But he's really gone about and, and put together a good stretch over the last really three weeks to have more consistent at-bats, a more consistent approach. And his, his eye at the plate is something that uh, really has helped him as well. And his pitch selection and, and being able to lay off some of those bad pitches, I think really has uh, been an opportunity to help this Bison team. I want to talk about pitching. I want to actually ask you about Nick Fraze's debut coming up from double A. And I want to talk about Hayden Yinger's bounce back to be able to put up another zero after a couple of outings where he gave up some runs and I'm sure wasn't necessarily looking like his usual lockdown self. So start us with Nick Fraze. 
Yeah, he's been good in his couple appearances. Uh, he, he joined the team in Gwinnett late last week. And look, the Bison's pitching staff just needed some help. Um, the starters, unfortunately, whether it be uh, Drew Hutchison dealt with like a sore back in his, his previous start. He's going to start here Friday night tonight uh, for the Bison's. But he really had to be removed from the game only to make sure that um, the, the back didn't tighten up more and lead to other issues. So there have been certain situations. Jules Rizulueta, um has thrown a lot of pitches and really has not able to go long into his start, even though he stretched out f- fully in a Bison uh, as a Bison starter. So the bullpen has been taxed a lot. So to add someone like Nick Braze, who went out, ate some innings, has given this Bison team uh, some good depth in the bullpen, um, another young arm that they can just come up and pitch well. And, you know, it adds to the compliment of, of guys like Jay Jackson, who has come in and look, he was one of the final cuts out of spring training this year, uh, looked at his options once spring was over, signed one of those new split deals uh, where he's a minor league contract, major league deal, kind of like what you see, you know, in, in, in the National Hockey League where a player uh, can have a split deal with, with uh, if he goes to the minors or if he's in the big league. So um, he's come in, pitched really well and added to that veteran depth Guys like Luke Bard, who was signed in the offseason, has been a very nice addition. Paul Fry, who picked up another save for Buffalo. And it adds to the the young depth. Look, Hayden Yinger was brought up fast-tracked through the organization, just drafted in 2021. You can add Brandon Iser to that list as well, another pitcher from the left side who was fast-tracked to Buffalo uh, after really good success uh, in his previous year in 21 that you saw uh, firsthand, Tyler, uh, in Brandon Iser's case. Um, so for Yinger... He was not really worried about you know, maybe some of the results because you look back at uh, the way that he was throwing, the, the mechanics were there, the, the pitches were there. Sometimes you just have to tip your cap to, to, the, to the hitter. And when you're taking on veteran teams, this Worcester team that the Bisons are playing this week, there are so many veterans. Guys that were teammates of Matt Haig when he was winding down his career were just starting their pro careers. So you've got guys that are six, seven, eight-year um, minor league veterans and add in the fact that they have consistent big league time, considerable time in the big leagues as well. Um, guys like Daniel Polka, Nico Goodrum, uh, who are staples in the international league and have had time in the big leagues as well. And Polka had big home run season for Chicago just a couple of years ago. Don't worry about the results to an extent. And I think that's what Hayden Yinger has done. He's not worried about, he's not worried about giving up hits, giving up runs. He trusts that his stuff is good enough that it was going to come around. And you're definitely seeing an uptick in the velocity and the breaking stuff is very sharp. Four games in the next three days, counting today there in Worcester, the off day on Monday, of course. And then the Bisons are home for two weeks against Syracuse and Rochester. So the Empire Staters all come into town to do a little bit of battle there at Salem Field. What's it going to take, Pat, for the Bisons to get that first series win of the year? not including the two-game mini-sweep of Scranton-Wilkes-Barre to start the season at the beginning of April. Not to say that the Bisons can't rattle off four wins, including a doubleheader sweep tomorrow at Polar Park. But going into the homestand, specifically being a two-week homestand, I'm sure some home cooking will nice to be served warm. Yeah, and for this Bison pitching staff, I mentioned it before in the addition of Nick Fraze and just adding some depth to the bullpen, getting the starting pitchers to go five innings. The Bison starters are 1-10 in 10 this year. The only win by a starting pitcher was by Casey Lawrence last Sunday, who went five innings in that 21 to six win over Gwinnett. So getting starters to give this team length and allow the bullpen to have uh, consistent rest and, and get guys to throw uh, once every couple of days and set things up properly, I think is going to be such a big um, asset to this Bison team. And we're starting to see it 
and on Thursday, uh, Zach Thompson ran into a little bit of trouble uh, with the, the ABS uh, uh, automatic ball strike um, fully implementation, uh, you know, yesterday with the Hawkeye. So, you know, pitchers are figuring that stuff out. So once he can do that and once the starters can do that consistently, then I think you're going to see a lot more wins for the Spies and team as the bullpen won't be as taxed. So as we mentioned, wrapping up the series of Polar Park, before we ask you, as we always do, Pat, how we can tune in, catch up with all things Bisons, I got to know, Polar Park, longtime friend of Around the Nest, Tyler Murray, one of the voices of the Woo Sox, I'm sure being a consummate host along with the rest of the broadcast, the Emmy-nominated broadcast crew there, by the way. So I hope that they're not turning their nose up as you as they walk around with their chest puffed out a little bit more. I got to go to Polar Park for my first and only visit uh, with my fiance last July. Tyler was a great host then. It was great to be a fan for a game, which was awesome. What are you eating at Polar Park this week? I'll tell you what, the, the press box, which is uh, the, the media meal here is, is the same as uh, the, the restaurant buffet that they have. Uh, it's been very good. I, I, I just like going around. There's certain spots in the city here. Uh, this is only my third time here. Didn't make it in 2021. But I just like going around Worcester, uh, pick a couple of spots here and there, uh, some, some local places right around the team hotel. So uh, it's been very good. Uh, Tyler and crew, uh, they've been gracious hosts. Uh, I went to Fenway on Monday to see the Blue Jays play. Coincidentally, I know a lot of folks from the Fisher Cat uh, high-performance staff, just like our Bison's high-performance trainers, strength coaches, all that went to the game and, and a chance to uh, see some of their uh, counterparts of the Blue Jays. The folks here, I ask a question just simply, how do I get to Boston from here? And, uh, you know, they could not have made life much, much easier on me, uh, helping me navigate from the train station here. So uh, from Tyler all the way down to uh, longtime media relations uh, host Bill Wanless here, who is somebody who has been so, so great to have in the International League um, all these years. They, they're always great and, and love to come back to Worcester. And longtime Eastern League voice, Adam Giardino, a part of the fun as well, from what I saw on Twitter. What was the diner that he had to drag you out of? Is that the one that was beyond the outfield wall where they share the street with the with the public street in Worcester? Yeah, that's uh, Sherwood. It's not open during the day, um, but I'd walk in by it every day. If if folks come to Buffalo, there's, there's a place called the Swan Street Diner that's real close by to our ballpark. And it's the same thing. It's an old boxcar that was converted into uh, into a diner. So uh, it's one of my favorite places to go in Buffalo. So I can't walk by uh, a place like that and not stop and, and take a picture for, for social media. So uh, having Adam here this week is fun. He's at uh, uh, women's lacrosse semifinals uh, right now and has the finals coming up for the Big East on Sunday. So uh, he'll be here on Saturday to join me again. But um, it's been fun to have him in the booth and uh, someone that has, uh, you know, long ties to this uh, organization who works for team of Pawtucket and worked in Scranton Wilkesbury for a couple of years as well. Indeed. And so as we think about your broadcast with Adam coming up, Pat, how can we tune in to be able to keep up with the herd as they try to perhaps rattle off four consecutive wins against these Worcester Red Sox before going home for two weeks against Syracuse and Rochester? Yeah. For folks that have an Odyssey radio station and have the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, you can search us at the best 1520. Um, also at bisons.com. We've got a link there to to listen. The nice thing now, we talked about this before, Valley Live is a brand new uh, app that has been uh, debuted and, and is available for folks to watch all Bison games for free. And I believe if it has not been implemented yet, it will be soon that you can also add in our broadcast over top of the video. So much like in the big leagues where uh, I'll, I'll listen to Ben Wagner's call uh, on Sportsnet 590, the fan of, of Blue Jay games. Well, I, I've been told that I don't know if it's 
actually live yet because I'll, I'll admit I haven't watched one of our games on Valley Live. Uh, but it, it soon should be an option so that if Blue Jay fans want to listen to Duke McGuire and myself uh, instead of um, whoever's on the other side, and I'm sure the same thing for Worcester Red Sox fans will want to listen to Tyler and Jim Kane when, when they have the opportunity, you'll have the ability to potentially do that in the near future. So I'm very excited about that uh, new feature very soon, hopefully very soon. Well, we are all keeping our collective fingers crossed, and no matter what, we're going to find a way to tune in. Pat, as always, thanks for joining us. Always great talking AAA Buffalo with you. Get some wins out there in Worcester, and most importantly, please say a hearty hello to old friend of the Nest, Tyler Murray, for all of us here at Around the Nest 2023. Will do. Thanks, Tyler. Cheers to Pat, and we'll knock it down one rung on the ladder to go to A New Hampshire and bring in Steve Goldberg. Steve, good day to you. Back-to-back weeks coming to us from the Tooth in downtown Manchester, Delta Dental Stadium. Club Ned, from my fond memories uh, in the Granite State. How's everything going there as the Fisher Cats continue their series with the Nationals affiliate from Harrisburg? Yeah, back end of the uh, 12-game homestand right now. Uh, much better weather expected as well over the weekend. So temperatures uh, starting to uh, push a little bit higher. Uh, should have some uh, 60 and 70 degree days coming up over uh, the next two. So definitely looking forward to that. We'll start with the bad news. Ricky Tiedemann coming out of the game with an apparent biceps injury. Obviously, none of us are doctors. None of us are Blue Jays high-performance staff, and none of us are Ricky Tiedemann. So we're not necessarily a place to talk about these specifics. But just from your view in the catbird seat from the broadcast booth, what did you see in that outing? He ended up taking the loss, pardon me, in that game. But more importantly, concerning about his health, win-loss doesn't matter. Just want to make sure Ricky's good to go. Uh, seemed like he was well aware that something went awry right away and didn't try to push through anything. Yeah, like you said, we're not doctors here. So, I mean, I don't want to dive in too, too much into speculating on things. But, you know, based on what we saw, you know, the video's out there as well. So I know fans have come through that already, uh, taking a look at it. But uh, what what really struck me watching it live was he was just very nonchalant about it. And, you know, walked off the mound after throwing that last slider. The velo was down. It was down at 79. And we had noted the previous strikeout was a slider, too. You know, it was in the low 80s. So it wasn't that hard 80 slider that we've grown accustomed to seeing out of him. So a slider at 79 was a little bit concerning. And he just walked straight off the mound, started pointing to that part of his arm, you know, kind of motioned over to the dugout to grab the training staff and uh, have the uh, catcher, uh, Phil Clark, come out to the mound and take a look and you know the game was put on pause for a minute or so and then he walked off with the trainer really nothing else that we could tell from the broadcast um on that you know read the report after the game and you know what they're calling it is uh, left bicep discomfort um to me that's a little bit better than hearing something elbow related or something shoulder related but you know we'll have to wait a little while to uh find out the uh, results of some tests and see what the uh, prognosis is on Ricky and the timetable on him returning I got an extra one if he needs it. So I can uh, airmail it to New Hampshire from Vancouver, BC as needed. I'll even pay the international fee if it's going to help out our boy Tariq Tiedemann. But thank you for that, Steve. And again, what a way to describe it. Perfectly said. Let's talk about uh, another fireballer who's coming back. In fact, there's some fireballers up and down the system. Connor Cook has been continuing to miss bats here in high A. But tell us about the return of Hagen Danner. Yeah, Hagen was a guy who we saw early in the year last year, made four appearances here with New Hampshire, and then hit the injured list for the rest of the season, and then coming out of spring training, another uh, minor setback. So delayed his uh, start to the season by about a month, getting back here to New Hampshire, but 
Uh, it was great to see him back um, overall, just going through that outing. A little bit of a scuffle with his fastball command, struggled to locate a little bit, but that's not totally unexpected. Just getting back to game action and, you know, reading over, uh, you know, reports of his uh, two outings in Dunedin. You know, one of them went a lot better. The second one went a whole lot better than the first one for him. So, you know, maybe round two here in New Hampshire, we start to see him locate a little bit more and uh, get get a couple more strikeouts. But uh, that's not really unexpected. Uh, slider looked sharp. He topped out at 97 was consistently sitting 95, 96 with uh, the fastball. Uh, he, he got a walk, gave up an infield single, nothing really too rough, double play to end the inning. So, I mean, overall, you'd just like to see an extended period of him staying healthy, you know, continuing to locate well with his pitches. And, you know, perhaps down the road later in the season, he's a guy who gets a call up to Buffalo for the first time or, you know, potentially even fills a spot uh, with the Blue Jays, just being a member of the 40-man roster, you know, pitching needs change throughout the season. You know, he's certainly a guy who, if he stays healthy, his stuff stays consistent, he could be in line for a promotion potentially to the highest level at some point later in the year. Let's talk about pitching for uh, a more th- from a th- more 30,000 foot view for the moment, at least from the staff standpoint. The walks seem to be a little bit elevated. 112 walks leads the Eastern League at the moment. From your view, Steve, how has the walks contributed to some of the uh, scuffle of late for the Fisher Cats as they've dropped b- b- below 500 after a recent skid? You mentioned the walks. I mean, overall, last year, that was a struggle by the team as well. You know, it stands out to me earlier, uh, early on in this season, uh, the Fisher Cats have thrown the fourth most innings of any staff at this point. So when you think about the walks, you got to put it in perspective. And there are four other teams within four walks of the Fisher Cats right now. So while it's while it's not great to see over five walks per nine innings, the team was right around there uh, most of the season last year. And that was just a consistent problem for the staff at this level. But last year, there was no other team within 40 walks of the Fisher Cats by the year's end. So, you know, it's possible over the next couple of months, especially as the weather starts to warm up, guys find their stuff more consistently start to locate better and we might see that walk total go down later on in the year you know right now the era sits middle of the pack in the league it's just below four uh last year the the team was up near five they had the second worst era in the league so it's nice to see that era dropping a little bit it seems like overall uh, guys have had better stuff so far at this point this year compared to this time last year um, the, the, the newcomer Troy Watson is throwing really hard as well, uh, hitting 98 with his fastball. So, and then he's the only new addition to this staff, you know, looking at the pitching staff, everybody else was in New Hampshire at, at one point or another last season, uh, getting Hagen Danner back certainly helps. And, and I really don't feel like the pitching is the issue, uh, that much at this point of the year, it's been the offense just struggling to get hits with men in scoring position and, and capitalize. But last night in the second game of the doubleheader, uh, the offense finally broke out and put up eight runs in the first inning. Tell us about Leo Jimenez and Miguel Geraldo's contribution of late. A couple of guys who certainly performed quite well in Vancouver in fits and starts a season ago. Geraldo certainly in the second half and Leo when he was healthy, certainly multiple trips to the injured list for the Panamanian shortstop. But two guys who seem to be making the adjustment to upper minors pitching pretty well in the first month of the year. Yeah, we'll start off with Leo. He's reached base in all 13 games played with New Hampshire. 
He's got hits in 11 of those 13 games and had his first multi-RBI game of the season coming last night. So starting to drive in some more runs, uh, that's great to see because his RBI total was low uh, through those first handful of games. Uh, but but he's getting on consistently, which is which is really nice to see. Uh, Miguel Geraldo has had an excellent homestand, uh, three multi-hit games on the homestand. Had his first three RBI game last night as well, coming up in a key spot early in the game. A bases clearing double, driving in three runs. Geraldo has been hitting the ball hard. He also made an outstanding play at second base last night. If you haven't had a chance to see it, go on to the Fisher Cats Twitter account. Pull that one up, a nice diving stop to his right on a, on a one-hop ball that was shot up the middle. Fisher Cats wound up turning two. So he's doing it on both sides, both with the bat and with the glove. So really nice to see uh, those two newcomers to the double-A level performing early. Well, I know we can catch that on Bally Live and MILB TV. But, Steve, as we wrap up our double-A update, how can we tune in, as always, to your broadcast? Of course, the esteemed Bob Lippman on the air with you th- over the course of the home slate. But how can we let ourselves tap into what's going on there in the press box at uh, Delta Dental Stadium? Yeah, radio-wise, we're on WGIR 610, Fox Sports 930. Catch us online through uh, iHeartRadio and also, as you mentioned, MILB.TV and uh, the Bally Sports app. Uh, Bob will be back on Sunday. Got uh, Gareth Kwok on the next two days, and I'm sure you'll be uh, hearing from Gareth at some point. A little uh, road trip update at some point this year. Along the way, certainly we have to initiate young Gareth into the nest, and uh, we promise we will not kick him out from the tallest branch to make sure he tries and flies. But, Steve, as always, thanks for joining us. I got Rowdy Red in a straight two rounds tonight. Yep, that sounds like a, like a pretty fair bet. I know uh, some folks in the office might agree strongly. They might disagree, but, you know, always, always fun with uh, Fisher Cat Sumo. Steve Goldberg, voice of the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cat. Steve, as always, thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Great to catch up. A.T., good day, my friend. Dunedin Blue Jays, the man who does it all down there at the complex and throughout the Florida State League. This is the part of our show now where the upper minors guys, they're off. They're doing their thing. They've logged off after their terrific updates. Thanks to Steve. Thanks to Pat. But now the single-A guys get to chop it up. And uh, Mm -hmm. let me tell you, your old friends from a season ago and maybe even 2021 – they're doing fantastic with high a Vancouver these days. The boys lost last night, a close game to Hillsborough four three that snapped a five game winning streak where the Canadians had outscored those teams, Eugene and Hillsborough 36 to five with 55 hits, including an 11, one win over the reigning champions on Saturday. That included a single game season high 15 knocks. And then, Individually, you've got guys like Devontae Brown, undrafted out of NC State, driving in six runs the other night here in Hillsborough as the Canadians are on the road this week. 13 RBI leads the team undrafted. How did everybody miss this guy? He's got a 958 OPS as my phone continues to blow up on a work day. And then guys that we know are going to perform like Gabby Martinez. He's been fantastic. I know you didn't get a chance to interact with Alex DeJesus, who came over in that trade from Mitch White for Mitch with Mitch White from the Dodgers. That is he's been great. We've talked about Rainer Nunez. We've seen all sorts of guys coming up on the pitching staff. Mad Mike Dominguez has been fantastic. We also had a chance to see Trenton Wallace continue to be so consistent. I could go on and on, but for you, AT, uh, a couple of old friends certainly performing quite well. Have you been keeping up to date with what the seeds have been up to? I know you have. You know, unfortunately, I've been a little behind and a little uh, a little in our own bubble here. Un- okay. Unfortunately. Making me look bad. But I would love to uh, 
hear about uh, a couple of my guys. I mean, first off, Devante, I'm always put together a good at bat uh, here in Dunedin. Great to to hear that he, he's still doing well. Um, I want to hear about um, Cade Doty, my 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 fellow boot boy, along with Connor Cook, another fellow boot boy. And also, can you talk to me about uh, my my great friend Desan Brown? And I know he's kind of slumped at the beginning, but uh, kind of how is he feeling? And uh, and and where's he at? Is that what Louisiana natives call each other? Boot people? <laughs> it's, it's the boot. So the boot boy. <laughs> okay, the boot boys. I'm gonna have to drop that on Connor and Kate at some point this week. I'm sure they'll get a kick out of it. Uh, Kate Doty certainly uh, assimilating quite well here at the level. He hit his first two home runs in Canada, like on Canadian soil uh, over this last homestand against Eugene. couple of no-doubters, including one into the wind. I said on the broadcast, no Doty about that one. So I was very pleased with myself, as you can certainly imagine, knowing me for a couple of seasons as you have. Uh, but then at third base, oh man, he is solid. Really great. And he pairs so well with Josh Kasovich on the infield. Those two guys bring that really established uh, advanced collegiate perspective and they've transitioned so well to the professional ranks. I've been really impressed with the way they've gone about their business, their early work, BP and gamers. In fact, in that win uh, last Saturday, the 11-1 win, Kay Doty legs out uh, what proved to be a fielder's choice to avoid an inning-ending double play. And then the Canadians went on to score like six more runs in the inning because of his hustle. And you could see a second rounder who got paid some pretty big bucks last year coming out of an elite college program on a ground ball to shortstop at the end of April saying, ah, I'm not necessarily going to do a hard 90 here. Maybe I'll run hard out of the box and then it's obvious I'm going to be out. But Doty's speed, or at least his hustle, is how the Canadians were able to put that together in that inning. So I know some of the hits haven't necessarily been falling on the average side, but the power is there. He's been among league leaders in slugging percentage and OPS throughout the first four weeks of this season. And certainly he brings that leadership personality to this roster, even though it's just his first full season as a pro. Connor Cook, another guy who's leading out of the bullpen, a little more of a seasoned pro drafted out of Louisiana Lafayette. I love saying Ragin' Cajun on the air. One of my favorite schools to ever talk about, just because it's fun to say he's been dialed. No runs allowed. He's given up just a smattering of hits has only walked four or five guys total over the course of his six outings. He's been electric. The stuff is fantastic. He was away from the team because his mom got married a couple of weeks ago, so he's still kind of catching up in terms of outings and getting on that regular schedule, but it seems like Joel Bonnet, our pitching coach, and Austin Bibbins-Dirks, our bullpen coach, have gotten the guys stretched out, at least in the bullpen, to where now they're making appearances every other day. So we're seeing that from Connor Cook, seeing that from another fireballer and TJ Brock out of Ohio State, who was just a a very brief Dunedin Blue Jay before becoming a Vancouver Canadian last year. So the pitching guys, your boot boys certainly contributing. And then Desan Brown, you said it there, Andrew, certainly a slow start uh, for the pride of Oakville, Ontario. But last night saw some really promising signs. Infield single for Desan, so he used his 80-grade speed as he always does, but a lot of hard contact, some of the hardest contact we've seen from him, a line drive into the outfield that was caught by the number 14 Diamondbacks prospect, Wildred Pertino, with a great jump. He's gotten terrific speed as well, so robbing Desan of a hit there, and then a hard ground ball to shortstop that would have been a base hit if it's anywhere else but right at the shortstop, so hard contact for Desan after really a, a lot of uncharacteristic swing and miss over the first four weeks of this season. You see it in the average. Uh, he went 0 for 20 at one point, which is the longest stretch of consecutive hitless at bats by a Canadian's batter this year. 
but it's starting to turn. And you know as well as anyone, Andrew, Desan Brown is not going to let the play on the field take away from his personality. He was still smiling, still saying hello. He did not change a lick, no matter how frustrating he might have been inside. And I think that's a testament to a guy like Desan Brown, who you got to know quite well last year. He is an asset on the field and off the field, no matter how his stats might show up. Yeah, I mean, I know he's a, he's a great human. I, I know Canadians everywhere uh, follow him in the organization uh, as a fellow Canadian, wanting to see him do well. And I know people love Desan Brown updates. And I, I think that's th- throughout the minors. You can see not like, especially in Dunedin, for example, may, where there might not be as much, especially television coverage. Uh, it's up to, to people like us to try to give uh, some insight to maybe a guy not doing as great, but maybe the results just aren't there, but the uh, what they're trying to put together is. So it's great to hear that. Hopefully he'll, uh, I'm sure he will turn it around soon. And then can I get a little bit on uh, the fanfare of uh, Josh Kasovich uh, returning to Eugene? You know what? We're excited to get down there. He was talking, we were talking the other day, Josh and I, he was saying, you know, I wish I had a chance or I wish the schedule allowed us to get down to Eugene even sooner in the season to be able to have that uh, interaction uh, with his former collegiate teammates because, of course, the college baseball season is still underway. We're going to get down there in June. He's really excited to make the visit. And just, you know, he's been one of the guys who has certainly not been affected by the wet weather in the first three and a half, four weeks of this start of the season because this is just old hat for a guy who went to school, you know, in Eugene in the rainy Pacific Northwest. And speaking of Josh Kasovich, a guy who – is almost like a machine, like a robot in terms of the way he goes about his early work robot in the best possible way. Like the Terminator goes out there relatively mild mannered until you start talking to him and then he opens up, but certainly somebody who is not afraid of uh, breaking a sweat at one o'clock before a seven Oh five first pitch. This is a guy out there taking extra reps all the time, getting extra work in the cage and somebody who lets his play kind of lead for itself and speak for itself. Not a guy who's necessarily going to be the most vocal, but he has that aura about him where he's just very professional, very put together. And a guy who certainly is going to give you quality at bats, a rare strikeout last night, but as was the case at Oregon and with the Dunedin Blue Jays, lots of contact, lots of hard contact and a terrific defensive asset across the infield. He could play three of the four infield positions. And Hey, if you stuck a first base glove on his left hand, I'm sure he could pick it like Riley Tirada has been picking it for the Canadians when Rainer Nunez is the DH. Uh, and, and speaking of Dunedin blue Jays and specifically guys who are playing on the infield, I got to volley with you here and talk a little bit about Manuel Beltre, who now has a new accessory uh, looking like um, LeBron in the playoffs, that one stretch where he's got the uh, protective mask over the top half of his face. Can you tell us the story behind that? Yeah, we were, we were playing the Tarpons and uh, uh, obviously to start the season prior to getting uh, to getting hit, he uh, was putting together good at bats, making good contact, uh, hitting for average. Uh, you're still waiting for the power, but uh, I mean, he's such a steady part of the lineup where you can book him for a hit, maybe two a night. He's just and he's, he's such a mature kid for his age. And I, I, you see that uh, not only on the field, but on social media. Uh, he carries himself well. He's uh, big around the clubhouse, trying to uh, interact with everybody. Big personality, which uh, is great to see. Uh, he He's just great to be around. And he, uh, yeah, so against the, the Tarpons, just took a, a fastball right to the face. Broken nose. Handled, handled it well in the moment. Uh, he obviously was hurting. Came out in the dugout. Got 
had to go to the hospital, got him fixed up. Uh, he sp- spent a little bit with just being in the dugout. He like immediately the next day just wanted to be around the team, was in the dugout cheering everybody on. And then he, he went and got his mask. And then he took a, a, a couple of games and uh, extended spring training to to kind of get used to playing with the mask, taking some swings with it, uh, taking some uh, infield uh, drills with it uh, and felt good enough. And now he's back this week and uh, getting more contact, getting hits and uh, just plug and play ready to go. He kind of doesn't miss a beat that kid. The Beltre show continues to go on and selfishly, I am excited for when the eventual call up is coming down the pipeline. But for now, I think a Dunedin Blue Jay mainstay in the heart of that order and a couple of other mainstays around that infield, two more top 30 prospects for the Blue Jays this year, Tucker Toman and Adrian Pinto, a couple of guys who are starting to make names for themselves, Toman more specifically, but all of a sudden Adrian Pinto, who uh, might have a the most appropriate name for his overall like presentation his body shape etc uh in the entire system two guys having uh, some solid success uh, to start the season yeah i think the the one nice thing about the lower minors is we have a lot of uh, a lot of infield prospects that you want to get them as many uh, at bats as as you can so they're not going to they're not all the shortstops can't play shortstop so it's nice to have manuel play shortstop every once in a while move to second uh tucker playing some third playing shortstop while manuel was out uh pinto's mostly stayed at second but he can play some shortstop as well um tucker again a, a kid but uh he's hitting the ball well still waiting for that power but i think it's going to come he's really going to fill into that frame and he he's going to be a big time player i believe and then pinto uh is his stature doesn't uh doesn't mean that he, he he plays bigger than his stature he's he's a fun at bat to watch i, I wish people could see his at bats Everything that is out of the zone, you would think is about to hit him. Um, it, it, it is fun to watch the way he takes pitches. Um, a, a guy that uses his speed to his advantage, a, a lot of infield singles. Um, but I, I think there's some pop there. I think he had some in the DSL when, um, before he got traded. Um, and, I, and he had some when he when he first got here to Dunedin. So I think I think you can see some uh, more pop from that small body even. Uh, and obviously a great defender. He hasn't made an error yet this year. Tucker played a great shortstop while while Manuel was out uh, and a great third baseman. So it, it's been a great infield to see. Even Peyton Williams at first base is another name to watch. Um, we're littered with first basemen in the organization that, that are playing well. Uh, even bigger than Rainer Nunez for all the people that know how big Rainer Nunez is. He's, he's even bigger than that. And he had a, he had a home run in our doubleheader on uh, last Sunday against the Marauders. And then in the next game, hit another home run. So I think he's starting to find it. I, I think that's kind of what you're seeing early in the in our low A season, single A season, excuse me, um, is – uh, the the bats always seem to be a little bit behind uh, where the pitching is at at this level, uh, and you, you, I mean you see it in our pitching staff and, and others as well. But uh, the the bats are starting to come around. Matt Young, who's been here uh, since 2019 now, hasn't had an offense that's ranked outside of the top three. So um, even though we're at the bottom right now, I think you can you're starting to see already that it turn around. And this pitching staff's good enough that once these bats get hot, we could go from winning every other game. Two to, two to one or three to two uh, to really start uh, winning a lot of games. Like we won 18 to two against the Marauders. So uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about. It is a little scary for the rest of the FSL to think about pairing uh, improved offense 
with that terrific pitching staff that is off to a sparkling start. Best team ERA in the FSL, sub three, might even be sub two, five. But, you know, my memory here at the West Coast time zone, 10, 12 a.m., I'm a night owl. So my memory is still working. But, Andrew, you can tell us the specifics. And then we'll talk about some specific individuals, uh, most notably the newly crowned April Pitcher of the Month in the FSL, Rafael Sanchez, and uh, a name that a lot of astute Blue Jays fans already know who has come up to make his uh Full season debut. We'll get to be squared, Mr. Brandon Barrera, in just a moment. But tell us about the 30,000 foot view for the pitching staff before we get a little granular. You know, I mean, the the bullpen has been incredible from uh, Harry Rutkowski, a lot of college guys, Harry Rutkowski, Ryan Chassis uh, from the Campbell Camels, and Ian Churchill, uh, just really being shut down at the end of the bullpen. I mean, they all have either a one ERA or below. So, so they've been pitching well. And I, I think there's uh, Rafael Ohashi, before we get to Rafael Sanchez, Rafael Ohashi was in his third year here, but has battled some injuries and he's still a 20 year old kid. Uh, he's really um, coming into his own with a 1.80 ERA. Uh, and then you have Rafael Sanchez who leads the league and in, in strikeouts lead the league uh, in ERA um, just Pitching and there's really not the name that you would have expected. I think uh, Kendry Rojas is a is a big name that people are uh, talking about right now, and another lefty who who's pitching out of his mind with a, a 1.56 ERA um, with a lot of swing and miss. And I think that's what you've seen from Rafael Sanchez is a lot of whiffs, a lot of swing and miss, um, and just he's he's just a great pitcher. He's been consistent, and I, I mean the Dunning Blue Jays have kind of had a uh, stranglehold on the the pitcher of the month awards uh, for the last couple of seasons. It's been a it's been a fun to watch, uh, and I think throughout the organization, something that um I, has kind of been uh biggest thing I maybe the most packed that it's been since I've been here since 2019. Maybe same for you, Zick. But I feel like there's just a lot of healthy players and a lot of guys playing well from a pitching side and a hitting side. Like you see a lot of guys having to go on the development list just because there's really just so many guys that, that are, ha- that are having to play and get at bats and get innings. Uh, and at, which I think is great for blue Jays fans to hear is uh, there's, there's a lot of prospects in the organization, not even just in the top 30. I think there's names like Rafael Sanchez, like Kendry Rojas, Rafael Ohashi that uh, people can be excited about. Uh, and then, saying all of those names and how well that they're doing. You haven't even talked about Brandon Barriera yet uh, and his first outing where his fastball sitting 92 to 94, where um, there's been reports in the complex where he's getting up to 98. Uh, hope to see that. And I, um, and it, I mean, a first professional outing goes four innings, uh, no runs, strikes out six, which theme of the Dunning Blue Jays is just strike guys out, which again, probably has a little bit to do with the, uh, the hitters uh, still adjusting to, to the pitching. Um, but great debut for him. Excited to see him in Dunedin uh, next week uh, and, and keep it rolling. But I, I think uh, one thing that I could tell the listeners about Brandon, that maybe a uh, misconception about him is I think you, a lot of people remember him from draft night and, and what he said and that confidence that he had of everyone's going to regret uh, their decision, uh, which I'm sure he stands by, but he's just such a, uh, a, a great kid to, to work with um, a, a quiet confidence about him uh, at times as well. Uh, so I think that fans can be excited about that. 
and also something that we can inform the entire Blue Jays public about, myself included. Let's lay it down right now how to properly pronounce his last name, because I already butchered it based on how you just said it. So give us the how to uh, uh, to pronounce the second best Blue Jays pitching prospect in the system. We can say Brandon. If you got Brandon wrong, uh, you got other problems you got to try and figure out. But give us Brandon's last name the right way to say it. Barry Era. Barry Era. Barry, like the show on HBO, era, like a time in history. Barry era. That's it. Oh, man. Okay. Breaking news on Around the Nest, sharing exactly how to pronounce it. And some other breaking news in the chat. Leo Mui saying, former Blue Jays manager John Gibbons has followed at Around Nest, our Twitter handle. So uh, arguably one of the best baseball follows of the 2023 season is John Gibbons as he's kind of reemerged in the public consciousness and will actually be at Nat Bailey stadium in August as part of our Toyota superstar series. I get to have John Gibbons come on the broadcast for an inning, Andrew. I got to tell you, I am very excited for that. Uh, and if you got any questions for Gibby, please text them to me. Yeah, I'll, I will definitely tune in. I'll, I'll throw some questions your way for sure. Speaking of tuning in, I know there were opportunities, uh, more opportunities to catch the, catch the DJs last year. But since this, this is your first appearance of the season on Around the Nest, can you tell us how we can tune in to all things Dunedin Blue Jays here in 2023? Yeah, obviously following us on, on social uh, at Dunedin Blue Jays everywhere. And our broadcaster, who uh, Chris Valentine, who will, who will get on the show, um, he's been going on road trips. Um, so he, he's off this week, but, um, next week we'll get him on the show to talk, uh, more about the team as he's there every week, uh, getting to see them. So you can uh, listen in to Chris Valentine on the radio by going to our website, tuningbluejays.com, uh, and listen live. So, um, a lot more coverage on being able to hear, uh, not the visiting side of, um, or the home side of the, the Dunning Blue Jays when we're on the road, but you can hear our perspective as well. Well, excited for Mr. Valentine to join us and always excited to have you with us, AT, because there is nobody who gives perspective, not just about single A Dunedin, but being there at the epicenter of all things Blue Jays down there in Dunedin uh, certainly gives us a one of one, an iconoclastic perspective. AT, as always, thanks for being a part of the nest. Thank you, Zick. Another episode in the books, hard to believe it. Two in the can and many more to come this season. As always, thanks to our co-hosts, Pat in AAA, Steve AA, AT from high or low A, pardon me. And for me, oh, single A, I should say. I butchered it again, but you know what, AT? No matter whether it were low A, single A, rookie ball, short season, high A, we're having fun at the bottom parts of the ladder. And of course, a special shout out to our producer, Leo Mui, always coming through in the chat with the hot takes and making us look and sound even better than we actually do. Another edition of Around the Nest in the Books. We'll speak to you next time.